Well, first up, speaking of the 90s, this is how far back this story goes. It was all the way back in 1997 when this country signed up as an informed partner to the U.S.-led joint strike fighter effort to produce a next-generation high-tech stealth aircraft, a project that would ultimately culminate with the Lockheed Martin F-35. That was the fighter that the Harper government sort of announced they would be buying to replace the aging fleet of CF-18s 12 years ago, back in 2010. Then they kind of faffed and reversed course and, and when costs began to skyrocket, and there were questions about the contract and or if there was a contract. Uh, so ultimately it was gone. This was the same fighter jet that the now Prime Minister Justin Trudeau claimed Canada would never buy while he was in power because it wasn't needed and didn't work. Here he is on the campaign trail in 2015. A Liberal government will also do what the Harper Conservatives ought to have said years ago. We will not buy the F-35 fighter jet. Well, guess what they did today? They bought the F-35 fighter jet. More than 25 years later, the RCAF will, in fact, replace its desperately aging fleet of CF-18s with 88 F-35s. The cost, an estimated $19 billion. That includes most of the upfront stuff like training and so on. The cost estimate for the entire life cycle of the fighter jets is expected to be more around $70 billion. Here is the Defence Minister, Anita Anand, making the announcement today. Canada is acquiring a new fleet of 88 state-of-the-art F-35 fighter jets through an agreement that we have finalized with the United States government and Lockheed Martin with Pratt and Whitney. Well, the first of those aircraft is set to be delivered in 2026, so not too far down the road. The full fleet is expected to reach operational capability between 2032 and 2034. So what's changed since 2015 for this government? The defense minister said it was a, quote, highly complex procurement. And she also says that since 2015, when the prime minister uttered, the future prime minister then uttered those famous words that the aircraft has matured. And that, of course, many of our allies, eight countries in particular, are using those same F-35s. With Russia's illegal and unjustifiable invasion of Ukraine and China's increasingly assertive behavior in the Indo-Pacific. This project has taken on heightened significance, especially given the importance of interoperability with our allies. The Defence Minister Anita Anand today. Joining me now is David Perry. He's president of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and host of the Defence Deconstructed podcast. Welcome to the show. Good to talk to you. So not a big surprise here. We'd seen some reports uh, before New Year's that this was coming. Is this the right choice? Have they picked the right jet? Yeah, I think they did. You know, a couple of ways to look at that. One is it's the uh, jet that won the competition that we undertook at great length. Uh, and we went through lots of effort to open that up uh, as wide a playing field as we could. Uh, and at the end of that, uh, this aircraft was selected. So, you know, by definition, it's the right one. Beyond that, though, I think it it's the right choice for a number of different reasons, including the fact that it's in modern production uh, and is going to be widely used amongst many of Canada's key allies. I mean, there will be 
different locations that we would tend to fly out of um, by virtue of the way that our aircraft operates, that are be operating this exact same aircraft um, all over the world. So that's an advantage, right? If you need to fly and land somewhere in the United Kingdom, the United States, uh, Germany, Finland, Italy, there will be other uh, air forces that are operating the exact same plane. So that helps if you if you need to, to land and have access to facilities or get get something fixed, I'd be able to use the same kind of planning software and, and types of things that go into operating it. That's an advantage. Beyond that, I think it's also going to be very helpful that in terms of the way that the uh, Royal Canadian Air Force actually uses the plane, um, that we'll have our closest allies to work with uh, in terms of how we actually employ it, you know, the tactics, the techniques, the procedures we use, developing doctrine, doing common training. Um, there'll be all kinds of advantages that come with operating an aircraft uh, that many of our closest allies will also be flying. I wasn't, uh, it always reminds me, I was looking back at, uh, at at articles that were written, you know, this has been going on for a very long time, this whole project to replace the CF-18s. I mean, it was time for replacements, clearly. Yes, uh, I think as a general rule, you want your pilots flying airplanes that aren't significantly older than they are. And the CF-18s were, were even with the new ones, I mean, I gather there's been some some real impacts. We've seen some real um, impacts of late, especially with just how... Uh, I wouldn't say incapable, but but how stretched we are, how, you know, we're not really able to pull our weight in some extent when it comes to some extent when it comes to helping our allies because of the age of our aircraft. Yes, and just one clarification there. I mean, the, the airplanes are new to us, uh, mm-hmm. the ones that we got. They're not new. Uh, the uh, Royal Australian Air Force quite well enjoyed them for the several decades with which they operated them. So, you know, we're talking about a fleet uh, that is well past the point that in its entirety uh, should have been retired. And it has gone through an upgrade uh, process uh, that's, you know, basically given that platform the right kind of structural characteristics so that it's it's not a safety issue to continue flying an old airplane. They've they fixed the stuff that needs to be fixed from a, a structural point of view, and they've done some upgrades, including new radars and some other things to update the uh, operational capability aspect of the airplane. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's aircraft delivered in the 1980s versus ones that are being delivered at the end of the 2020s. So massive difference in terms of the technology that we will be getting and what we will be retiring um, should have been retired long ago. We're finally doing that. But in part because of the age of those planes, um, there were significant limitations in terms of what we could actually do because they're not as available as they once were. Uh, and I think there's uh, some relationship with some of the, the personnel problems the Air Force has had, uh, which has basically meant that we haven't we don't have nearly enough people flying these. And that's not going to be easy. I mean, we can't just bring in new aircraft like the F-35, even though we're expecting them relatively soon by by procurement standards. Um, This is going to demand some work within the RCAF to try and prepare for the arrival of these planes. Absolutely. So you basically need to have a a synchronized handoff between flying and operating the ones we have now, sending more people, which are in short supply already, down to the United States to start doing the initial training, uh, which would first train the people that would basically become our own training instructors uh, for Canadian aircraft uh, and do that in a couple of batches and then start uh, getting delivery of air, aircraft, um, uh, a squadron's worth at a time that could come back to, to Canada. But that process of doing that when you're already stretched and you have operational commitments now to maintain our NORAD commitments, uh, to be able to do the different commitments that we have uh, in place to, to NATO, as well as you know the things that we may pick up uh, here and there, things like air policing uh, in Romania, as an example, if we go back to doing that at some point, um, those I think are going to put a real stress on the Air Force, uh, which has been stretched in terms of the availability of uh, the number of humans that it's got in its ranks that are trained to to operate and maintain uh, this particular piece of kit. 
When you look at the price tag, it, it always seems high. Um, is this a fair price? Are we getting bang for our buck, so to speak? Well, it's definitely going to be expensive. I think, you know, effectively any uh, modern fighter aircraft is expensive. I think one of the unique things of the the way that we are buying this, but through the international partnership for the Joint Strike Fighter, which is producing the F-35, complicated arrangement between different governments. But basically, at the end of the day, that means that when we buy it, we will be buying it at the best price that you can get it, uh, even though that will be a lot of money. Clearly, there's been a lot of politics around this one, David. Uh, we know the Conservative government announced this very plain would replace our aging fleet uh, a decade ago. Then the Liberals came in and said, we'll never buy that plane. Um, today, Anita Nan was asked about that. She said, this is a different plane. This is a plane that's mature, this jet. Is that true? It is true. Uh, so I think, you know, a way of thinking about it uh, would be that if in 2010 you'd wanted to go buy it, an iPhone, that phone was going to be fundamentally different than an iPhone you'd buy today. It's not a perfect analogy, but you know there's some similarities there. The, the performance and the capability of the current blocks that we would be getting has evolved a lot over time. It's a, So the, the physical airplane itself doesn't change all that much, but the, the software that really gives it most of its uh, performance aspects to it, that c- continues to evolve over time. So it's gotten more sophisticated as time has gone on. Uh, the other thing with it is that uh, back in the 2010 time, frame, that particular aircraft and the project for it was going through a, a lot of teething pains. There was a lot of mm-hmm. developmental problems in terms of getting some of the performance aspects, just sort of the actual plane itself, in addition to a, a number of different software issues. We've had a lot of time to resolve a lot of that. So it, in, I think there's a lot of truth to the fact that it it's the same uh, moniker, but it isn't the exact same plane that we be, we're going to be getting towards the ends of the uh, 2020s. Then we would have got, you know, in kind of in the mid 2010s, had we followed through on the conservative government promise. Beyond that, though, I do think that it's a bit of a, a overstatement to say that that's really the only reason that the Liberal government and the Liberal Party in the past had made the kind of comments uh, that I think were pretty ill considered at the time that they did. Yeah, it feels like this is one of those situations where the previous Harper government can be blamed for sort of a contract process that, you know, overselling it, a contract process that didn't go very well. But it certainly wasn't helped by a statement saying, like, we didn't need this plane, uh, we'll never buy this plane. It seems that that it's been mishandled for a long time. And that's kind of indicative of, of a lot of the issues we're having with procurement. Yeah, I think this file in particular uh, is one in that a whole lot of people uh, did not cover themselves in glory uh, and moving forward on it. The current government, I think, ended up in the right spot. But, you know, you do wonder how much quicker we could have gotten here had we not had uh, the first couple of years that they were in office. Prime Minister, for however came to be that he said it, you know, get up in Parliament and say that it was a plane that didn't work and might not ever work uh, within a couple of months of uh, it actually hitting initial operating capability in the United States. So not very well informed comments from him at the time. And the whole idea that we were going to have an open competition, but one plane wouldn't be part of it was also a pretty significant head scratcher, at least to me. Yeah. And when we look at what's happened, even the last, uh, I mean, this this had happened in 24, I mean, Russia had already, you know, gone into Ukraine in 2014, annexed Crimea and so on. So it's not like the geopolitical situation has changed phenomenally. I mean, already China was already seen as a threat in the, in the you know, in the Pacific. Uh, those were the things brought up today about why we had to do this. But do you get the impression there was now more pressure on Canada to at least get our act together when it came to 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 replacing the F-18s and that certainly the F-35 because of its interoperability was going to be the one that was being pressured? I do think that there's more, you know, pressure in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, our allies 
not just in the United States, but in the NATO alliance more broadly are, are looking at all of each other to uh, in, for indications of what we are collectively doing. Certainly some other NATO allies since the Russia further invasion of Ukraine this February ago um, have really stepped up with a lot broader and more significant commitments than Canada has to this point in time. So us finally coming through and delivering on a commitment to actually buy a modern fighter aircraft is a, is a good indicator to them that we're finally not just talking about some things, but we're actually moving towards the doing of of, uh, of modernization when it comes to our military. Beyond that, I mean, Canada, for our own national interest uh, reasons, we needed a new airplane. The ones we're flying right now were delivered in the early 1980s. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's never good when fighter pilots are fighter pilots are flying aircraft that are older than they are, unless they're in an air show, right? That's the. Uh, uh, what are you going to look out for now? I mean, the announcement's been made. We know that before uh, before Christmas, there was some noise about the early deliveries in 2026 of the first batch. Uh, what are you looking out for now to make sure that this goes according to plan? Uh, less less attention about when we actually get the planes, um, because I think that's probably the easier component on that. If you look both what has already been contracted for F-35 deliveries, there's the last couple of batches that, that we actually have contracts in place for now. It's amounting to several hundred aircraft. You would expect that that number would be growing when the batches that we're going to be putting in orders as part of uh, are actually committed. This is all kind of convoluted bureaucratic process about um, how you actually go and, and get an airplane because we're part of this international partnership ag agreement. So you have to follow the rules of that. And and the net upshot of that is you put in orders when it, you're able to put in orders and that's driven by a, a wide pool of allies. But the benefit of that is you're, you're doing it at a time when hundreds of other planes are being made. Um, so making the planes is probably the easier part. Um, because we don't have enough pilots to fly the existing fleet that we've got right now. So there's a, a an issue there. And then we also have to do both kind of a wholesale adaptation of how the Air Force operates to move from 1970s technology to current technology. So there's a big change with that. And we also have to build the infrastructure that's unique to this airplane, which has some special considerations that the, the old ones didn't. And I suspect that getting the human capital in place, getting the infrastructure in place and uh, adapting you know, what the what the Air Force does to actually uh, fly and operate this successfully, um, that's going to be harder than it is to actually get airframes in Canada. But at long last, it feels like this conversation started when all of us were much younger. So it's interesting to see that it's finally here we are in 2023 with this announcement at long last. Uh, David Perry, thank you so much. Yeah, great to talk to you.